Join our global community of travel lovers at zerototravel.com. Zero to Travel Audio Adventures presents Trekking Nepal. Episode 6, Porters. We discuss why we chose to have a porter, what he carried, and what we took in our day packs, plus why we think trekking poles are an essential item. Okay, wait, it's it's the fourth day, but it's the third day walking, right? Yeah. What's up? Where are we going today? So today we're going to Jagat. Jagat? Yeah, which is very nice and is a little bit bigger town. Okay, yeah. So it takes about five hours. Okay. So we mostly walk along the river sometime in the small forest and then about one hour later we will be in a place called Doban there is several houses and small school there primary school okay and the local people come there and then they have children, they go to school there. So do they walk from different different villages to go to school there? Yeah, different villages. How far do you think, like, the furthest people that walk to go to school? From here, they don't go up. They go uh, down. Bye. See you later. <laughs> um, the school is just for uh, that village. For that village, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then we cross a bridge, small bridge, and then walk gradual... And then sometime gradual up. Okay. And I will stop for lunch at uh, Tulunga, which is quite a rocky uh, place. Yeah. And then we'll have nice views of the river. And then we'll be in Jagat. And, and we'll relax. We relax there. The lodge is just next to the river again. Nice. So it's nice. nice. And how did you sleep? It was okay. Yeah? yeah. How sleep. about Mingmar? How did you sleep? <laughs> Ask him how he slept. Uh, Does that mean good? Good. Okay, good. All right. So we're ready for a good day? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Mingmar is one of the cutest person I've ever met. You love Mingmar. <laughs> I love Mingmar. And I do too, but yeah. you have a, uh, not a crush, but like a, I just you have a thing for Mingmar. No, <laughs> not in that way. No, not in that way. But he was just so cute. He was um like he was shorter than me, and that says a lot because I'm pretty short. Or maybe he was the same size as me. I don't know. He might have been shorter than yeah, you. Yeah, he was short, but he was he was a very short and powerful. Very powerful. He was carrying our stuff, and that was we we felt it was pretty heavy. They they kind of assured us all the time that it was pretty light compared to what they are carrying, but I'm not sure. Um, it looked pretty heavy. Like the load he had looked bigger than him sometimes. But he was, he was had a lot like, of, um, uh, toiletries. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> not that much. Uh, anyway, uh, 
so Mingmar, he was like a he was like a little bear, I would say. A little bear. He, yeah, yeah. He was a uh, small but so strong and powerful. He could just walk and walk and walk and walk and he never looked tired. And he was like he didn't speak English at all. And so Samir had to translate and he also like spoke a special Nepalese dialect too. So he um obviously didn't say much, but he was because of the language but sometimes like when we were we were having fun the four of us i would say and he was smiling a lot and and laughing so so he like we we felt like we were a group of four it wasn't like he was uh and also that's something they said to us that it was very nice to be with us because they felt very much included and that was nice to know that we we always like when we we wanted to like eat with them as much as they wanted to eat with us like if they wanted to sometimes we understood that they wanted to like especially dinners they wanted to eat with other guides and porters because that was nice for them mm-hmm. instead of sitting with us all the time but for lunch we had meals together and that was nice and i think it was to be able to share not traditional uh, in in a way because it seemed like it took Mingmar a little bit of time to yeah. get used to that idea yeah. that we we wanted to be on this journey with him yeah. as opposed to he being on this journey with us like with us we were a group of four we didn't feel like it was us uh, us and two and then them them no yeah. we we were us all four of us yeah we were in it together yeah we tried to communicate as much as we could that how much we appreciated it and and he was opening up more and more like we took pictures with him and off him we let him know every day how much we admired his strength and just how we were blown away by what he could do as yeah. a human being yeah. what he could it just is just unbelievable the strength and the i guess there was no there was never a sense of him feeling like, oh, this stinks or like, I don't want to be here. Like it was always just, I don't know, just get on and put put the stuff on and walk. And he always seemed like at peace and just do his job and seemed yeah. to be glad to be on the trip. And we were really glad that he was too. Yeah, we were very, I'm, I'm really glad I got to meet Mingmar. It's it's and also Samir told us about him and his family and how he lived and and he was living with his uh, parents um, up in in a small village and they had some animals. I honestly don't know his age, but I think he was around thirty five years. But he honestly he looked like he was at least forty five. But that was pretty normal. Like people looked much and like be like he probably like been doing like physical labor his whole life, working on the farm, working as a porter and being out in the sun that way and uh, and all kind of weather. You look much older than you are. I don't think he was that old, really, but he looked much older. But he was a beautiful uh, human being beautiful little man <laughs> yeah <laughs> strong we bought him the hiking boots because he didn't when when we met him we understood that he didn't have the right gear for proper footwear uh for going over snow passes and for us it was a very small thing to be able to like buy him some shoes 
but how it probably meant for him. He, the only shoes he had with him was sandals and a pair of sneakers. And you should, shouldn't go over a mountain pass with a lot of snow and sneakers. We all do jobs more or less for other people. And this is how they are uh, getting money too. So as long as you feel you are paying them enough and you know they have insurance, that's something it's important to to ask about that they have, like the through the, the agency, and you make sure they have proper gear, then it is okay. Um, he doesn't do just trekking, but he's done quite a few, I think. I don't know exactly how many. And he, he had done a, f- a couple, at least, with Samir before. Yeah. So Samir Thank worked you. with him before. Um, how does he actually carry everything? What happens, we had a duffel bag and he takes the duffel bag and whatever else is in his load and ties a rope around it in a particular way that all of the porters do. And this rope extends onto a, I guess a, I don't want to call it a harness, but uh, the rope extends out and there's a pad type of thing uh, that that he puts around the rope and this goes over his forehead. So the entire load is on his back back and where it's carried is on his head on his forehead so the rope is pushed up against a pad on his forehead and then if you follow the rope back it's part of the intricate tie on the on the duffel bag and on the load and so it's carried in that manner we decided to have a porter yeah they don't give you a a porter yeah it's a choice yeah Unless you're doing like a package thing, I guess, for that you're booking yeah. beforehand or something. Um, we decided, we talked about it a little bit already. We decided because, A, we wanted, we thought it would be more enjoyable if we didn't have to carry all of our heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, we wanted to, we thought it was a great way to have another local with us and to contribute to the local economy and yeah. employ somebody. And, and this was something we struggled with. We talked about feeling bad about, oh, well, somebody's just going to carry our stuff. Yeah. That's so weird. You know, we can carry our own stuff. Um, yeah, you don't feel 100% comfortable with having somebody to to carry your shit, really. But, but then if you, if you think about it, yeah, you, you, you give somebody a job. Yeah, yeah. And you're supporting them, and they take that back. You know, Mingmar, our porter, would take the money he earned back to his village. Yeah, absolutely, and his and family. And and would like, and also like, um, in, in there, there isn't like they have work 365 days a year. That's true. It's very limited, the... the Tracking season. Yeah, the tracking season. So uh, knowing that you are actually, you are helping the person and their families having a job. Um, because uh, the rest of the time, at, at least for the Mingmar or Porter, was he was a farmer. He lived with his family in a rural uh, mountain village, and he owned like a couple of buffaloes and some other animals, and that's it. And they managed to like live through what the farm gave them, but working as a porter when when the season and when he got a job so f- knowing more that you actually are helping them and yeah it gives you a better feeling we had still surprisingly heavy bags considering yeah. how much mingmar was carrying too heavy i was probably carrying i think it was around like 15 pounds or 
five to eight kilos? Yeah, five to seven kilos for me or something. And it felt like you get pretty tired of it. This included? Uh, uh, I think it was a... I, I think I used everything I brought, though. Uh, and, and I'm I'm a I get very cold, so all like my clothes were kind of necessary, but maybe too much. Like I'm a sucker for toiletries, I guess. <laughs> but I I actually, uh, yeah, it was some of that that I didn't really need, I guess, and some maybe books. Well, you you kind of deal with what you have. I would do better next time, though. I would say that. But, like, you learn from your your uh, experiences. If you have a porter, the important thing to remember is you want to have everything with you that you're going to use for the day or you may use. And the weight of it will depend on how prepared you want to be or how many scenarios you want to run through that could potentially happen, how much food you want to have, extra food on you. And everything like that. Because once the porter gets the load set up for the day, you're not really able to get into your bag. And usually we had a big duffel bag that we had all of our stuff that Mingmar was carrying. And that was all in a big duffel bag. He would tie it up with the rest of his load and put it on his back. And then he would just go. And even if you're hiking together, everything's wrapped up. So you can't really get into it. So the things you want to have with you during the day are the things you're going to use or may use. Like like sunblock, sunglasses, extra food. Clothes, hats. Because like it varies from we were walking through the jungle and then suddenly we were cold. So you kind of need to like, yeah, prepare for all kind of uh, scenarios. And also like we had a lot of snack in our bags to fill up and, and water. We were having like, we filled up in the morning with the filtration drops too. So we were carrying, uh, so we knew that we had enough water for a pretty long time. So just wa- we were probably carrying each one of us like one to one and a half liter with water. Um, you have to drink a lot of water because yeah. of the altitude. I think we always err on the side of having too much water. And then we had your, you know, you have your camera and whatever else you want to have. Also clothing in case it rains, you might want to have your rain gear. You obviously have some extra clothes if you get cold, but then if you're walking and you're hot, you end up taking those off and carrying them. So there are a lot of things that, you can do along the way or you may do along the way that will add extra weight. Like you start in the morning, it's crisp. You start removing layers and then you end up carrying those. Yeah. You start with like pants and then you have to wear shorts and then you need your pants again. And then, yeah, I never stripped off my pants, but did you take your pants off? Were you hiking pantsless? No, I had shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Why are trekking poles an essential item? It was just because of the... Some places is really steep, both up and down. Uh, actually, most important when you're walking down and it's steep. Uh, so you can have something to lean on to. And also, if you have like a heavy backpack, to, then it's even more important to have trekking poles, I would say, to not fall over. doesn't matter if you're young or old. Trekking poles are... Just a great 
supplement. And also, um, where we were walking, some I, I'm a little I'm a little scared of heights, and uh, there were um, quite a few places where it was straight down, like you had this narrow path walking on, and it, on one side you had like the mountainside, on the other side it was just steep down to like a crazy river. And having those poles at that time was essential for me, at least, to feel like I had something to, like, lean on to. Two main things. Knees, it saves your knees tremendously, and balance. And sometimes you're walking over rivers, too. So if you think about putting them into the water, onto rocks, so you don't topple over into a river, for example... And as AD mentioned, some of the sides of the cliffs are a little bit intimidating. And you can get trekking poles for about 6 to $10 at the yeah. stores in Kathmandu. And so it's not a huge expense, and it's just a huge relief on your body. Yeah. Uh, the end of day three walking synopsis. This is being recorded the morning of day four, but um, I was too tired yesterday and I had a had a bad headache. We uh, had a good walk yesterday. Weather got pretty hot. It was in the shade mostly in the morning, and we had an amazing lunch at a little village where uh, a woman lived. Uh, it was like really quaint, kind of little area skinny stone walkways and we were sitting at a table and you could like right across from the table and see into her kitchen which was a separate house with a separate little shelter with an open fire pit and we watched her make our lunch it took two hours but she made everything from scratch and that's what they do here so we saw her and peeling the potatoes with her son getting everything ready cooking the whole thing and it was super fresh super good dalbot and uh, her kids were absolutely beautiful, and Anna Dorta took a lot of nice pictures of them. Then we got a picture of her by her kitchen, and then we kept walking. I was dragging yesterday. I had a bit of a hard time, struggling a little bit. Um, but we did finally make it to Jagat, and we stayed at the Budi Gandaki guest house, a little room with two beds and uh, a view of the river. Not too shabby. Trekking Nepal, coming up in episode 7. The mule trains could bump you off the track and send you rolling down the cliff. Outdoor clothing has a certain combination of fabric that's made to wick your moisture away. So wool is the key, I think. Inside the prayer wheeler, there is uh, lots of lots of uh, mantras of uh, Buddha. It's called... Om Mani Padme Hum. Do you have any squat toilet tips for the ladies? And the way the tattered prayer flags are blowing in the wind. This audio adventure series has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to help make any of your travel dreams a reality. Join our global community of travel lovers at zerototravel.com. Hey, it's Jason here. If you are enjoying this series, please stop by zerototravel.com slash trekking to join our global community of hikers and discover the ultimate resource on trekking worldwide. 
You'll also learn more about our upcoming authentic small group walking adventures. That's zerototravel.com slash trekking. <laughs>